Well, today we are doing a four-part series in 2 Thessalonians. If you have a copy of the scriptures, turn to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. Only five verses. And um, we've been talking about these end-time events and the second coming of Christ and the rapture and the millennium and the antichrist. And man, it's been a fascinating time. You can uh, go on iTunes, listen to the podcast, catch up. We've had some video problems, but those are, those are coming back to life. But uh, I know this, Christ will come again. He'll come as a reigning king. He'll come as a lion. Uh, it's just good news for the people here of Thessalonica, but for us here this morning at Ryan Road, that even though we're persecuted, our faith will endure. Our faith will help us to overcome. So the Lord just spe- simply speaks a word, put your faith and your confidence in me. Just put your faith in Christ, and he will carry us home. Um, you know, I was thinking this is a good way to open this. Uh, there's this thing called insurance. You know, people sell insurance to you, and insurance is to protect you and in the event that something's going to happen. You have hospital insurance because, you know, at some point you're going to get sick or you have a, a home warranty plan. Now, how many of you ever had a home warranty plan on your house before? Yeah, and, and you're like, yeah, man, it, like, saved me a lot of money because, like, man, all this stuff broke or whatever, and, and, and they covered the majority of it. So, so you were real thankful for that. Or if you have a, a life insurance policy, I mean, it is ever helpful as you get to the time of death. I, I got to tell you, death is expensive. I mean, in a spiritual way, it costs Christ's life to provide us a way to the Father. But in this life, when people die, it's just extremely expensive. And that life insurance policy uh, takes the burden. So, so in this life, we're taught to prepare and make preparations for the inevitable things that will happen, like uh, uh, destruction or, or tearing up of cars or homes or whatever, or, or we get sick, we go to the hospital, we need life insurance, or, or if, we, if we die, we will die. When we die, that, that burden uh, might be a lot easier because already the family's hurting because they miss you and there's an absence and just your leadership in the family. So um, it kinda, I, I think it'll make sense as we're just talking about preparation. This whole series is about preparing our hearts to worship because he will come and get us. Uh, look there in chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. Matter of fact, I want you to stand with me. I haven't done that in a long time, but I want you to stand. be the only time I make you stand this morning. And if you'll stand up, I'm going to read God's word from the uh, New Living Translation this morning. Uh, I like to swap it up. Sometimes it's NIV, sometimes it's uh, NLT. But chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, you can read along with me in your Bible if you have it there. Uh, Finally, dear brothers and sisters, we ask you to pray for us. Pray that the Lord's message will spread rapidly and be honored wherever it goes, just as when it came to you. Pray, too, that we will be rescued from wicked and evil people, for not everyone is a believer. But the Lord is faithful. He will strengthen you and guard you from the evil one. And we are confident in the Lord that you are doing that you are doing and will continue to do the things we commanded you. May the Lord lead your hearts into a full understanding and expression of the love of God and the patient endurance that comes from Christ. You can be seated. Man, that's just a great word for us this morning to take off on as we're, we're thinking about this particular series about the be people that um, are prepared, that are ready, and there are people that are ready to fight. And I think, and you're saying, man, I like this. This is going to be like, what are we going to do? We have bows and arrows and guts. No, no. That we're going to be able to spiritually be champions for Christ, and we can fight, and we can defend our faith because Christ is great, and he protects us. And, uh, and yet, right here, when he first opens up, he goes into this whole thing about one of my favorite topics in all the spiritual life, the life of prayer. 
and he asked them to pray. And this morning, uh, Robert, I, I had no idea what he was going to say, but when Robert said, uh, man, our pastor prays for us, he prays for those cards, I do. And staff will pray for you, and other people, uh, we have a prayer team they get sent out to, and, and they'll make intercession for you. But then God instructs you to pray for me, to pray for one another, to pray for the church. And, and I love that God loves listening to his kids. How many, of you, how many of you loved it when you were little or when you were young or even now, that you love it when your folks listen to you? Yeah. And, and it's something about when, when people listen to you, it pays honor to you. And there's, I know our Heavenly Father has a relationship with, it, with us if we know Christ, and Christ goes to make intercession in the Holy Spirit. We get double teamed. They go to the Father. But the Father hears the prayers of his kids. And that ought to give us confidence this morning to know that we don't just babble as somebody that doesn't know God or as some pagan, but we make these prayers. Look at verse 1. He goes, pray. Look at it. Finally, dear brothers and sisters, we ask you to, to pray for us. Paul there is asking them, the, the people there, to pray. To pray for us. To, it, it's a you know, maybe it's a human assumption that uh, anybody uh, couldn't function without prayer, and some people have tried to do that, and I don't think they do very well. But God wants us to make intercession. He wants us to stand the gap. And here's this guy. Now, Paul, guys, Paul asked the people to pray for him. Paul was brilliant, gifted, wise, well-educated, well-trained, this incredible mind, this great understanding, self-discipline, clear strategy, supremely gifted, qualified above probably any other man, preeminent in his giftedness, in his power, in his opportunity, in his connection with Christ. Paul was a spiritual giant. Would you agree with me? Would you agree with me? Thirteen letters of the New Testament get attributed through the Holy Spirit through the man Paul, the persecutor of the church that gets transformed. And yet Paul says, pray for us, pray for me. And I, I love this word. That it basically just tells me that we all need prayer. It doesn't matter how spiritual we think we are or we're not or, or maybe we're really red uh, on fire for Christ. And, and here's what I'd say. This is just an application that I want you to write to the side if you don't or maybe encourage you. Would you pray for me as your pastor? And the church said, I need your prayers, your sin. You mean if I pray, your sermons might get better? They might. I mean, that'd be a great reason to pray. But there's a greater reason than maybe my sermons might get better, is that we might become the people of God with force, with power, with fruitfulness, that the message of Christ goes greater. I mean, guys, let me tell you, over the years, I've seen this room be full. I've seen it not be full. I've seen all kinds of things. I've seen transition. One day I told somebody, we're going to rename the church Christ Transition Church. We've had so many people come through this fellowship in 21 years. Many that God's called home to heaven. Many that God's called to other states and other nations and other places. And it's just been fun. But I'm telling you, church, we need to pray. And I'm asking you to pray for me because there's always, I asked you the other day to pray for Dave Garth, our newest elder. We're going to have his ordination uh, next week, just a part of the service. But as we have called David out to serve us as an elder, I ask you to pray for Dave. And I'm not going to ask you because I, I don't want to incriminate you. But if you didn't pray for Dave this week, would you pray this week for Dave? And everybody said, I will. And, and, and Dave, I hope the people sitting next to you said they will. If they didn't, let me know. I'll go see them this afternoon. Okay. But pray. Man, the spiritual battle, it's tough. Colossians chapter 4, verse 2 through 4. Colossians 4, 2 through 4. Write it down. 
Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. So one reason I ask you to pray for me, because Paul instructs us, I ask you to pray that I could somehow articulate, that I could communicate. Let me give you a great word I learned in Emory. That I might pontificate. You're saying, that's what preachers do. They pontificate. They're full of hot air. Have you ever looked up the meaning religious? It's incriminating to people in my profession. I, I looked it up one time. It says, religious. Somebody who gives information in a tiresome manner. Yeah, that's not what I want to be known as. I want to be known as a guy that had fire and passion and lots of spit. I just saw my bubbles blow off as I said that. And I've, all, I've often noticed, if you ever notice, I must favor this side because nobody likes to sit right there in those chairs. And I can't quite reach y'all, okay? So you're safe today, okay? They're going, hey, we're new. We, right, there's an umbrella right under that chair. You can put it up. Okay, here we go. So you need to pray. Listen, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 18 to 20. And pray in the Spirit. On all occasions, on all kinds of, with all kinds of prayers and requests, with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fiercely make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in change. Pray that I may declare it fiercely as I should. Paul is, is all full of scripture that he's telling the church to pray. And he didn't go, I want you to pray one of them little wimpy prayers. I'm like, no. He says, pray in an audacious manner. Pray powerfully. Pray boldly. I walk in a room and people tell me everywhere I go, Pastor, would you pray? Yeah. Now, there, there's a misconception about the office that I hold. Some people think my prayers get heard more than yours. And I'm not sure about that. If you're washed in the blood of Christ, if you know Jesus Christ, if you have a relationship, do you believe your prayers get answered? I do. And you have prayer power as the body of Christ. And I better have authority as, a, as an ambassador of Jesus Christ. But when I walk in the room, I love it when you're already taking authority and I just kind of come in with you. But God says, pray boldly, courageously. You know you've been with people that prayed and you're like, man, I think they know him. And they do. And you've been with people that were timid. You know what I learned a long time ago as a teacher, as a pastor? I don't try to call on people in public settings to pray unless I know them. You know why? Because I could freak people out. I promise you, come to our small groups. Come to the one we have upstairs. I won't call on you and go, hey, you know the answer to that? Hey, why don't you pray? No, we're just learning. We're just growing. We're just traveling together, learning. But it's awesome when you go, man, I can pray. Oh, I can pray. I've been praying this morning. I was up early. I was seeking the Lord. Amen. So here, go speak boldly. Psalm 118, 14. The Lord is my strength and he's my defense. He has become my salvation. I love to read the psalmist. Colossians 1, For this purpose also, for the purpose of building up the saints, I labor. He works to the point of exhaustion, striving according to his power, which mightily works within him. The apostle Paul he just says, I want to be a man of purpose. I want to be a man of passion. I want to be a man of power, the power of Christ. Because that power has changed my life. It's transforming me. 
And that very same power that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you by faith in Jesus Christ. Man, that is good news. Look at the outline. Verse 1, pray for us, pray around us, surround me with prayer. You know, that's what I pray. Church, we're somehow slipping. We, we've been known as a praying church over the years, and somehow we've gotten a little, I'm just going to give you a little pastoral rebuke. Is that okay? Doesn't matter, I'm going to get to you anyway. Here we go. We have gotten a little lazy, slothful in our pursuits of prayer. And we've got to figure out how to start praying more together as the church. All these individual prayers are huge, and Robert invited you to come into the room. That's right. But we need to have corporate times. We need to have times that we pray with other believers. Let me tell you, church, our prayers make a difference. Do y'all believe that? I do. I believe they literally hold back the forces of hell. I believe they change people's lives. I tell you what, Jason was sitting, he wasn't sitting, he was laying. He was in ICU the other morning at 1 1 a.m., Tuesday morning. And I've been praying with Melanie and family, and we went up, and me and another pastor, and we went to praying, and we were praying over uh, Jason. Jason did not want a timid prayer. He wanted a prayer of passion. He wanted a prayer that connected with Father. And he joined us. He was in agreement that he was believing God. You know what? He got to go home. Amen. And I tell you, church, we, we got to pray. We got to, God, make us courageous. Make us devout. Make us disciplined. Lord, make us humble. See, Thessalonica, let me tell you, the church here in Thessalonians, it was a baby church. So Paul had to instruct them, y'all got to pray. Hey, guys, we're 21 years old. Now, in terms of uh, the age of churches that celebrate 100 years, 150 years, we're young. But 21 years, my goodness, what happens when you turn 21? Somebody said, you turn legal. Okay. And you ought to be able to do something, even if it's wrong. And I'm telling you, this church, we ought to have such passion and such fervent spirit of Christ that we can pray and we can attack things and that the mountains will be cast into the sea. Do you believe that, church? I do believe that. And some of you have been listening to me for 21 years, and you ought to get a reward, an award, or all above. Some of you have been listening to me for 10 minutes. You're saying and this will be the last time. And some of you been listening to me for two years and five years and 10 years and 12 years. I'm just saying, guys, we got to move on here. This baby church here, he says, I want y'all to pray. And I want you to get after it. I want you to have the strong desire. I want you to hold my body, my church up in prayer. And then sometimes people say, well, what do I need to pray for? Well, here it is. I ask you to pray for us. Pray that the Lord's message will spread rapidly wherever it goes. If you haven't prayed for me, would you pray that God would protect me? And protect you and would you pray that the message of the gospel would go out and it would spread and produce a fruit isn't that what we're all about church that the gospel that christ would be lifted up and it would have such an impact and i believe we can do that as the people of god the people of faith that this message of hope this message of christ might just spread and i've wondered sometimes maybe we haven't prayed that prayer so this morning Paul just gives us a real pray that the Lord's message will spread rapidly and honored wherever it goes, just as when it came to you. Do you remember when the the gospel first came to you and you believed? And Christ forgave your sin. Christ gave you the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit sealed you against the day of redemption. And Christ filled you. The Holy Spirit filled you and he came upon you. And this morning, we just want to pursue and progress in this walk to receive and, and be after Paul. The Archbishop, the Archbishop of Canterbury said, it is their task to feed the sheep, not to entertain the goats. I like that. Remember a few weeks ago, I said, sheep and goats, and they'll be separated, and you want to be the goat. 
Sandy got it. She sent me a thing that says, no goats, sheep. And that's my job. Y'all are the sheep. If you're in Christ, you're a sheep. And I need to feed the sheep, and the Word feeds the sheep. And if you're a goat, you're like, I don't need the feed. No, you need Christ. But okay, listen to Romans 15, 30 through 32. I urge you, brothers and sisters, by our Lord Jesus Christ, by the love of the Spirit, to join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. Pray that I might be kept safe from unbelievers, said Paul in Judea, and that the contribution I take to Jerusalem may be favorably received by the Lord's people there, so that I, I may come to you with joy, but by God's will, and your company be refreshed. Paul was asking the people there, pray for me that I might be able to come, but that I might be refreshed when I come by your mere presence because the Spirit of Christ is there. You see, that's what I think happens in corporate worship. The people of faith gather, the Spirit of God falls, and we get refreshed. You remember, I think in Acts, the Bible says we are refreshed by the wiping away of our sins in Christ. And I just pray that Christ would just wipe over a spiritual refreshment. You know, how many of you love a shower? Okay, if you don't raise your hand, that's just nasty, okay? Okay, I know you go, Pastor, I like a bath. Okay, well, whatever. I'll take a bath and I need a shower, okay? But a shower. There's something. You, you know how you're just dead tired and then you get a shower. What happens? You come to life. How many believe in the resurrection? I do every time I take a shower. I mean, I, I remember when I was a teenager, I, I know I was a lot lighter than I am and I was in really good shape and I was a pitcher and I played summer leagues and all that. And one summer I dug splice pits to make me want to go to college. That means that was the telephone company, and we dug these pits, and they couldn't go there and do cables and all these things. And I had the menial job. My kids, teenagers, you love this. Your pastor's job was a shovel. Hey, it was fun. And, and we'd get out there and work, you know, eight, ten-hour shifts, and I would be so tired. But I love baseball. And I would come home after a long day, and I would hit the shower. And after I got out of that shower, I don't know what happened, but I would be resurrected, and I'd be ready to go throw a baseball game that night. The idea of that now just makes me tired and think, what were you thinking? I mean, I, there's no way I could do that. I mean, I could go get 24 hours worth of sleep and I couldn't throw a baseball now. But anyway, one time I could. Okay. So here it is. What are you praying, church? What are you praying in the morning, the evening, the noon, the nighttime, before you retire? Man, just, this is just one thing you could pray. God, help the word be delivered through me to my friends. Help what I share to go rapidly to my school tomorrow, next week. God, help your word go to the marketplace through me. Lord, when our pastor speaks, would your word go forth like a fire and it would just do something? So we can't be negligent. Look at two. He says, pray too that we will be rescued from wicked and evil people for not everyone is a believer. Now his whole thing, rescue, deliver, there's all these barriers. I'm just trying to drive this point today, but don't be negligent. Pray, pray hard pray focused uh in psalm 147 15 he sends his orders to the world how swiftly his word flies that's what i want i want the word of god just just going out and that word's going and it's, it's hitting the target i mean okay i know some of y'all like uh archery and you like to shoot how many of you like to hit the bullseye yeah you're like i don't know i'm just i'm just shooting a gun man you know i'm just spraying you know okay you need a shotgun okay all right but you, you, when you hit it with focus, you know when you hit your target, don't you? 
And here it is, spiritually, God, make us men and women, boys and girls that are focused, that hit it with targets. Listen to Ephesians 6.12. We're not fighting against flesh and blood and enemies, but against evil rulers, authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Guys, I've told you this over and over. The spiritual life is a war. It's a war in the heavenlies. It's a war in this earth. But greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. Do you believe that? Man, I do. The power of Christ. Learning to pray. Praying for others. Paul says, man, I just want you to pray. I want you to spread this hope. I want you to, uh, to persevere. I want you to overcome wicked people. Perverse. Perverse. If, if you do a, a looking at definition, these, they're, just, they're out of place. They're out of sorts. They're improper. And he wants the success of the church. He wants the success of the gospel to go and to make a change. And it hasn't changed since these words came to us through the Holy Spirit. God wants his word to go forth today with power. I mean, guys, I told you, I'm so excited because this is my spiritual birthday. This whole walk of faith started on this day. And, and it means, man, I, don't, I want my life to count. As I was standing there yesterday with my brother-in-law, I was praying a blessing over him. And I thank God that his life had counted, he had been consistent, and he had been steadfast, and that he had loved Christ. And that he had loved my sister, and that he had loved his kids, and he had been an incredible father and a grandfather, and just became a great-grandfather this past year. And I said, God, blessed is he. And as I prayed over him with tears going down my cheek, I looked over at his son, and it was really just a time of release and celebration because Christ was magnified. Do you believe that Christ gets magnified in death? I do, for the believer. So when we have the service this week, I'm going to cry. I was up early this morning praying for my sister. Just can't even imagine. They've been married so long. I know she's going to be lonely. But for this, we have Jesus. So let me tell you this. The, look at verse 2. Fill it in around us. Verse 2, God rescue me. Verse 3 on your outline, the Lord is faithful. Oh, I just read the sign. I just looked up for the first sign. It says there's no slides today. I'm sorry. I didn't. <laughs> I should probably look at the back screen. Are y'all, y'all been following along with me? Okay, because I, I just thought they were popping up behind me because I have no clue. I just got to tell you, I had an outer body experience. I just looked up there, and it says, there are no slides today. And I went, huh? And then it dawned on me. Wow. Okay, thank you, Jesus. All right, well, we're here. I surprise myself sometimes. Okay. Boy, I had some great verses, too. Well, you know what? Y'all might have to start bringing your Bibles. Oh, no. Oh, yes. That, that's what I've been praying. You know what? We ain't done this in a long time. Not a device. I want you to hold them Bibles up if you brought them. Hallelujah. Now, put those down. Now, go ahead. Hold your device up if you brought it to church. Bless the Lord for you. Now, if you didn't bring nothing, hold your hand up. You know what? You, you a guest, and you a guest, and you a guest. God bless you, and you get a pass. But if you come back, you bring one of these, Okay. And if you don't have one, I will give you one. We got plenty out there, Blake said. All right. You're saying, you're a fool. I am a fool. I'm going to be a fool for Christ. How about that? Amen. You need to be a fool for Christ. All right. Somebody's like, I call you a fool, but you weren't a fool for Christ. All right. Anyway, here you go. 
Here it is. Listen to Deuteronomy 7, 9. The Lord is a faithful God. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. Deuteronomy 32, 4. He is the rock. His works are perfect and all his ways are just and faithful God who does not wrong upright and just as he. For the, Psalm 33, 4. For the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. In Psalm 86, 15. But you, O Lord, are compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. I tried to just build a biblical case that God is faithful for a thousand generations and beyond for all eternity. And God is faithful in this life. God, you're faithful to us. You're faithful in your person. You're faithful in who you are. You're faithful in your promises. You know, that's what God's word is. His love letter is his promises back to us. That's why I encourage you just to read this book every day. Just spend time in the presence of Jesus and say, Lord, I know your promises are in there. I don't know them very well. But, Lord, I would like to start really learning your promises in 2017 because I want to pray and make a difference. I want to live and make a difference. I want to know you. I want you to establish me in your purposes. It means to keep guard. God, you're faithful. I want to trust you. I'm persuaded. See, here's what I know, church. Christians need to be established in their faith. And the only way you can be established in your faith is to spend time in his presence and spend time in his word and studying his word and fellowshipping with other believers and being a part of biblical community. It just helps you to follow Jesus. And today I will reminisce all day. I'll think about people that have been spiritual mentors in my life, godly men and women that have sowed into this boy's life, this man's life, and have helped me become who I am in Christ. You're saying, oh, man, you need a little more work. I do. And you probably do. But together we can do this. Robert Young, our new chair of the leadership team, he's got a desire. I think about this spring. He wants to start a new course. And we'll be unfolding that in the next few months, telling you about a, a class that we want to start at 9 o'clock to help establish you more in the riches of Christ. So I'm just kind of sowing out there today, just throwing a little seed that, and I'm thinking about March, we're going to start a new class to help establish you a little firmer in the faith. And you might consider that. Psalm 91, or I, I like this, the Lord is a protector. Feel that in, the Lord is a protector. Psalm 91.1, whoever goes to the Lord for safety, whoever remains under the protection of the Almighty, Psalm 91.2, can say to him, you are my defender and my protector, you are my God, and you I trust. Is that not a strong word? God is a protector. What do you do with your kids? You do everything you can to protect them. Like a mother hen. Man, you watch them. I tell you, now that Don and I, we have grown kids, but now we have these grandkids, and so we're back on this baby watch thing. And uh, Don and I have been to the park more in the last week than we have in a lot of years. Because the kids, going to the park, pop, we're going to the park. And we go down to the park, and we got a great park in our neighborhood, and we go down there and play. Now, Ramsey's a little bigger, so she can do her thing. But little man, he thinks he's big, but he's two. And, 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 and then there's all these little kids that just show up. Some of them are Korean, some are international, some are Japanese, some are American, some are whatever. They, they just all come, and they're beautiful, and they're all running around. And some of them are a little bigger, and they do things. And then little man thinks he's going to do it. He's going to break his neck. So Pop's over here like this. I'm running around. And, he, and his sister will climb up, and then he'll climb up. And I don't know. You see, you don't know this to your grandparent. They, they build these playgrounds, but you got to watch. 
because there's parts of it that are, are not safe. And you could just step off and like, he's going back to Baptist. Yeah. I, I'm telling you, so, this, so I'm in protector mode with Mimi, man. We're like chasing them. And you laugh, but you know what? God protects us, doesn't he? You think, well, this has happened to me. This has happened to me. It has. But I've wondered what would happen if God's protective hand wasn't upon us. Because all the things that happen to us, God allows it to happen that he might shape and conform us to the image of Christ. I've often, I used to kid the girls. I said, girls, y'all are wearing out some angels. What are you talking about, Dad? I've ridden with y'all. And, and, I, and I pray, and I pray. I, I remember one time, one of them came home. I won't tell you which one. In the car, I was washing it one Saturday, and um, it, it had a few marks on it. I said, hey, could you come out here? Dad needs to have counsel with you. What have you done? I said, Dad, I don't know. I heard a sound, but I, I don't know. <laughs> well, you got to watch, you know. Now, y'all laugh. Y'all have done the same thing, hadn't you? Somebody said, oh, no, I got to confess that. Let's, somebody just get up right now and slide it to the parking lot and go ahead and confess it. And it'll be okay. All right, here we go. Psalm 91.3. He will keep you safe from all hidden dangers and from all deadly diseases. I love that. Four. He will cover you with his wings. You will be safe in his care. His faithfulness will protect you and it will defend you. Man, that's what God does. He's, he's a protector. Psalm 91.1, look at there on your outline, it's spelled out the word protection. I put it in red because I wanted you to remember it. Whoever goes to the Lord for safety, whoever remains under the protection of the Almighty. You know, I pray that for my family every single day. And I pray it for you often as the Lord will put you on my heart or you ask me to pray for you. This might be one of the prayers I'll pray for your protection. It's a scriptural prayer. Nahum 1.7, man, that's a, that's a verse you read this morning, right? Nahum, the old prophet. The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knows those who trust in him. Lord, you know yours. You know us by name. And you keep us in the palm of your hand. So, Lord, we want to trust you for this life. We want to walk with you. Even though the, the assaults and the attacks come, we say, greater are you. Protect us, surround us with favor like a shield. Be a shield around about us. Protect us. You know, mom and dads, when your kids go off, you can't go with them, can you? Somebody said, you, ain't, you don't know my mama. She goes, everywhere I go, I tell your mama, cut loose. I know it's hard, but you can't go everywhere with them. I mean, it'd be embarrassing for you. Who is that? You're in college. That's my mama. She goes everywhere I go. <laughs> you know, I, I just laugh like, man. I mean, uh, you, you know when your kids get older, they go, why don't you drop me off about two blocks before we get there? Why? Well, I didn't want to tell you, but I didn't want to be seen with you. Well, then don't come home this afternoon because you're not eating. No, 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 you wouldn't tell them that. You're just like, okay, okay, okay. Well, you know, but, you know, you, you've been protecting them, and they're trying to get their independence. I mean, I don't know, whatever. I rode a bicycle, so I didn't worry about it, you know. I threw my bicycle in the bush before I got there, and I went on into school. be cool. And I didn't even make that up. That's the truth. I lived in Dyrrhea. I went to Goodwin, so it was a long way. So I rode my bike to my friend's house, and he had a big bush outside. And, uh, and I threw my bike in there. I said, now I'm ready to go. And then I could, I could walk cool up to the school. Because, you know, you don't want to be in junior high like, did you ride your bike? I did. <laughs> and then after football practice, I'd go out there and get on that bike. And I'd be like dead, tired, just trying to get home. Just so I could get up again. See, I could have told you I walked uphill in the snow four miles, but I grew up in Montgomery. You know that'd be a lie. Okay, here we go. 
I've never even seen snow four foot in Montgomery. Here you go, here you go. So winning the battle. Hey, let me, let me tell you this real this story I found. I, I loved it about in, in the protection of Christ and trusting Christ. Joe Stoll, a, a great pastor, used to be at Moody Bible Church, and I think he's the president at Cornerstone. He tells a story about his, uh, his son took his uh, grandson to the production of Lion King. And a good time was being held by all, and Simba wandered into the dangerous valley right into the trap of the evil Uncle Scar. And now here's how the plot goes. In order to usurp the kingdom from his brother, Mufasa, Simba's dad, Scar arranged for a group of hyenas to chase the wildebeest into a stampede that would endanger little Simba and lure his father, Mufasa, to the rescue. And at which point, Scar would do what? Kill, you watched it too, have you? Would kill Mephos and begin to rule as king. After the stampede ended, little Simba looked up and alone. He, he saw his father lying dead on the ground. Matter of fact, I went and looked this up again last night. I had a tear. And in the quietness of that moment, with the dust and smoke still swirling on stage, little Simba began to cry. Help, help, help. It was at that point in the hushed theater that my three-year-old grandson stood up on his chair and shouted, why doesn't somebody help him? It's a reminder, isn't it, that scores of people every single day in our world around us are hurting. And we will be the person, somebody help them. No, I'll help you. I'll be the person that will rise up. Our mission statement here at Christ Community is what? Love we ain't doing too good, man. We've been, Jeff Weir, you've done a great job with this thing, teaching it. Man, everybody just, all right, let's do it again. Love, love. All right, let's put it together. Love God, love others. Now, next time I tell you that, y'all get it right, okay? Look. Guys, we had a statement this long 21 years ago. Then we got a statement this long. Next statement's just going to be, Jesus! Okay. <laughs> We, we, we got it, man. Love God. Love others. We got to unpack it. Man, how you feeling right now, Dave Garth? <laughs> that, good. That's good because I'm not encouraged right now. I'm thinking, man. I mean, I tell you, I get so excited when I hear other people talk about our mission statement, and I start taking notes. Not a bad idea for you either. Okay, here we go. So look at the next one. The Lord is a protector, and here it is. The Lord is a defender. He defends us. I encourage you to let Jesus be your defender. He's perfect. Psalm 91, 1 through 2. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Lord, you are my defender. I started looking for songs about defender, and there's this one. You're my defender. I hide my hope in you. For you are my God. You are God, and I surrender. You're you are my defender. I tell you guys, I need a defender against the attacks of the evil one. I need a defender in my life, and so do you. And I know his name. His name is Jesus. And he defends us against our foe. And he's there for us in the asking when we cry out to him in honest, simple faith. Lord, be my defender. Psalm 18, 1 through 3. How I love you, Lord. You are my defender. The Lord is my protector. He is my strong fortress. My God is my protection, and with him I am safe. He protects me like a shield. He defends me and keeps me safe. I call to the Lord, and he saves me from my enemies. 
Praise the Lord. Don't you find hope and comfort in those verses this morning? Lord, you defend. Blessed be your name. Lord, you protect. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Lord, you will protect us against. How many of you? Okay, here we go. Let's just see. How many of you got in your safe place in the last 24 hours? Okay. How many of you thought about getting in your safe place in the last 24 hours? Uh-huh. And I tell you what, when you crawled in that place or closed that door, would you have been crying out for the protector? My wife, she did the greatest thing. She, she, she got a helmet for this thing. Man, I, I thought it was awesome. I don't have a helmet yet, but she's got one. It's awesome. I'm going to get a helmet. And I thought, man, you know, stuff goes to flying. I'm thinking, man, see, she's already smarter than me. She was smart enough to get a helmet. I, you know, I'm thinking, hey, you know, I need a helmet. <laughs> I don't know why I'm telling you that. Here it is. I'm telling you that because you protect this. You know, God gives us armor in Ephesians. He says, put on the what? He didn't say put on the full armor, but put on the specifically, put on the. God's in the helmets. Put on the helmet of salvation. Put on your helmet. God. Help us be safe. God, you protect us. You defend us. Lord, you're good. Lord, you're never going to allow the enemy to come against us without you protecting us. Your inner security, your strength, your outer security, your protection. Lord, you want us prayerful. You want us to yearn for you. You want us to, there it is, verse 4. You want us to be confident in Christ, in the Lord, what you are doing and what you're continuing to do. Guys, I don't know what you're confident in this morning, but I promise you, there's nothing you can be confident in that's eternal but Jesus. There's nothing that's going to not shake or be shaken away but Jesus. Lord, help us to be confident in you that we trust you, that you're working for our good, that we're showing ourselves to be real disciples, that my confidence is that you are in me. My confidence is that you're working all things for my good. I believe that. It's the hope of Romans eight twenty eight. All things work together for good for those that what? Love him and what? Called according to his purpose. All things. You're saying, is everything good? No. But in all things, Christ is honored. In all things, Christ can be glorified. So, Lord, I trust you in you. And then look at verse 5. We'll move there. The Lord directs our hearts here. We need the Lord to lead us. The people of Thessalonica, they were characterized by love. They were a baby church, as I told you. They needed to learn about prayer. They needed to learn about the spiritual disciplines. But they were full of love. And that's what I hope people will say about Christ's community. That church has got a heart of Jesus. They've got a heart that loves one another. They love kids. They love teenagers. They love adults. They love old people. They just love people. And they're filled with prayer. They're filled with passion. They run after Christ. And so, Lord, help us to immerse ourselves in the love of Christ, obedience to the word. My, my kids, Rachel and Jeremy, gave me this book for Christmas, Timothy Keller on prayer. You know, I've got a big prayer library. I love books, and I just got to share this one quote. Man, I ran across it, and I said, this is good. A guy named Donald Blosh. I don't know him, but I'd like to know him. He says, prayer is not simply petition, but it's strenuous petition. It is active pleading with God. It consists not merely in reflection on the promises of God, but in taking hold of the promises of God. Paul asked the Roman Christians to join me in the struggle by praying to God for me. Guys, this morning, if you don't remember anything I've tried to say through this study of Thessalonians, this morning, let's become a people of prayer. Strenuous, continuous prayer. It'll make a difference. 
I just think God's got some I think, you know, the Scripture teaches the best is yet to come. Do y'all believe that? The best is yet to come. And I believe even in this church's life, I think the best is yet to come. If we take God at his word, I think God could do some new, mighty, miraculous, life-altering, changing things in our midst. So, Lord, we thank you for today. We want to be steadfast. That's what I ask you to be. Be steadfast and pray. Let's pray together. Just, just bow your heads. I'm going to wrap it up. Lord, it is good that you love us and you've called us by name. And Lord, this morning we come crying out to you, making petitions that you would defend us, that you would protect us, that you would watch over us. And Almighty God, if there's somebody today that needs salvation, save some today, Lord. May they cry out to you in repentance and say, Lord God, have mercy on me. Save my soul. Change me. Defend me. I'll make you my declaration, Jesus Christ. You are Lord, and I am not. God, I'm just grateful as I head into this week. I know it's going to be a difficult week of funerals and challenges, but God, you protect me. And Lord, this congregation, as they walk into this week, if it's a big test, if it's a big situation for a student, uh, there, there's somebody in this church that they're just going through, their circumstance is overwhelming. God, let them know right now, you are for them. You will defend them. You will protect them. You will bless them. Lord, you're good. I ask this prayer in the strongest name I know on earth, the name of Jesus. Amen.